0: today on Ag News Daily. So we have kind of a niche market sort of situation going on. We raise our hogs in hoop buildings.
1: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. My name is Delaney Howell and I am one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily Podcast along with my co-host Mike Pearson.
2: Good afternoon Delaney Howell. It is day two of the Farmher Conference here in lovely Des Moines, Iowa. We had some good conversations today, didn't we?
1: We did. We'll talk to Emily Roush later today. She was the first annual Farmher Scholarship winner and she'll tell you a little bit more about what that means. And then we also got to talk to Dee Dee Chadwick, who works for Nationwide Financial, to talk about farm succession planning, which I know is kind of an icky topic sometimes, but one that needs to be had.
2: Yeah, it's one of the least sexy topics we come back to time and time again in agriculture because so many of these businesses, and you can't even say small businesses anymore for a lot of farms, we've got to figure out what's going to happen as the uh, primary operator, primary caregiver moves on whether to retirement to Florida or uh, to the 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 big home in the sky. That's right. Well Delaney other than being at Farmer which we'll talk about in just a little bit what did you find in the world of agricultural news? There are a couple big stories today.
1: There were. um, We didn't report on this previously but we really should have. It's just been kind of hectic here at the Farmer Conference but that's no excuse. The 2018 Farm Bill had their first listening session held by the House Agriculture Committee in Gainesville Florida on June 24th so this was a chance for the public to comment on things that they thought needed changed within the farm bill and there are a couple big points to take away from that a lot revolved around peanuts which we've had Ashley Arrington Ashley Arrington on before to talk peanuts with us livestock cattle production Lord is a big cattle producing state so they really stressed the importance of having appropriate funds for National Foot and Mouth Disease Vaccine Bank. Cotton they echoed a few things about having safety nets, you know, having some subsidy money. Labor and immigration is still a big deal with H-2A visas and immigration reform. SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Rural Development and that kind of a thing. But Conway made one important point saying that the problem is you're preaching to the choir. My guess is that everyone referencing the agriculture committee sitting here at this table will vote for the farm bill, but there are about 360 members that don't know about agriculture, and that's where all the votes are. So really need to be targeting those people as this farm bill starts to develop.
2: You know, that's exactly right and it's exactly what we talked about with Amanda Young yesterday here at the Farm Her Conference, how agriculture doesn't have much of a voice in the legislature, whether it's House mm-hmm. or Congress, there's fewer and fewer people who understand our industry. But it does seem as if one of the messages that farmers have been banging the drum on, along with uh, our, our, our other folks in industry, is the Waters of the U.S. Regulatory Act by the EPA. Yesterday, the EPA formally proposed to repeal the Waters of the U.S. Act. And this is just step one in a two part process. But it does sound like uh, Administrator Pruitt, head of the EPA, is really looking to get this done. He said, and I quote, we are committed to moving through this reevaluation to quickly provide regulatory certainty in a way that is thoughtful, transparent, and collaborative with other agents and the public. And that that collaborative statement, that's what a lot of folks in ag, in development, in golf course, in anything that utilizes uh, uh, water or would have been near a water source, really wanted to see be a part of this conversation. The Waters of the Mm -hmm. U.S. was just kind of rolled out, took a lot of people by surprise. Now, they will have to come up with basically a replacement regulation because Waters of the U.S. was drawn up because of two conflicting Supreme Court cases. That still needs to be resolved, but it sounds like there are going to be more people at the table when this next replacement is drawn up. So that was, I think, a big piece of news we got Mm -hmm. out today.
1: It was, yeah. The only other pieces of nudes I have are probably not quite as important as Wotus. John Deere purchased the Italian agriculture sprayer manufacturer called Mazzotti. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Apologies if I'm not. But it's a 30-year-old family business um, that's maintained in Italy.
2: There we go. So smaller tractors, I would assume.
1: Yeah, it's spraying manufacturing
2: equipment. Oh, spraying. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, my ear infection still isn't gone. I'm still, still on all kinds of drugs. Well, I do have another piece of news. This came out of South Dakota today. You know, Delaney, you and I have been following the case... Uh, Beef Products uh, Incorporated Against ABC And their uh, accusations of defamation In using the term pink slime In their coverage of BPI In 2013-2012 That case was settled Today The the attorneys for BPI Said that basically once The trial got started The uh, attorney Dan Webb For BPI said the settlement came together Quote quickly this week It seemed as though ABC just didn't want the hassle anymore fighting it. There was not a lot of great publicity on their side coming out of this after the first uh, first week, 10 days of the trial. The settlement has been kept secret. A confidentiality mm-hmm. agreement was signed by both parties, so we don't know if BPI was able to regain anything close to the $1.9 billion in damages that they were requesting, which could have been tripled to $5.7 billion under a uh, South Dakota act called the Food Act agriculture food products disparagement act but i imagine at some point we'll hear the details of this probably sneak out somewhere and if we do we will report it
1: so abc took a plea deal
2: yeah basically um so they call it it's not a plea because it wasn't a criminal court right they their the attorneys got together in and a civil settled. court yeah 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 well, i'm
1: guessing they made up they probably would've had to have made up most of those damages, otherwise there would be no point in settling.
2: That's what I'm thinking, because yes. I mean, it looked like it was going in BPI's favor, but again, most of the coverage I was reading was from South Dakota, mm. it was from the ag industry, probably favorable towards BPI anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, BPI, their revenue dropped 80% after this, uh, after these stories were broadcast by ABC. The company had to had to let go around 1,300 employees and uh, hmm. no, excuse me. They had 1,300. They had to let 700 go. So about half their employees. I mean, that did put a dent in mm-hmm. their earnings, and I know it made it tough for BPI going forward. Right. So, yeah, if we hear, we will get it covered.
1: The only other story that I had to talk about was some news from the Chem China Syngenta merger that's been approved now. Is that right, Mike?
2: Yes. I'm like 95% sure. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, officials from both companies came together on June 27th to talk about where they want to really drive the company from here, and some big key takeaways are that they want to have a seed focus. They said um, that they're they're the third largest seed company in the U.S., or actually maybe in the world, now that I'm thinking about it. They're behind Monsanto and DuPont. So, they want to focus on continuing to grow that seed business. And um, one of their chairmen, the Chem China chairman, Ren Jianjin, I think is how you say his last name. It's Chinese. Sure. So, he reported that his goal for Zeng- Syngenta was to double in size within the next 10 years. So.
2: Wow, pretty aggressive targets. Yeah. Man, doubling in size, increasing consolidation. In the world of ag input suppliers, we will see what that does for prices at the retail Mm -hmm. level. i got to imagine it's going to move them higher, but time will tell. I've got just a couple other pieces of little news. So we did see the U.S. dollar touch its lowest level against the euro in a year today because there were some comments made by the head of the Bank of England, which is effectively England's Federal Reserve, and it certainly sounded as though he was getting ready to use the Bank of England to tighten monetary policies, to begin pursuing something similar to what we're doing with the Federal Reserve, looking at either raising interest rates, ending the quantitative easing programs, or uh, that sort of thing. Then there was another report a little bit later that, hey, maybe the market's overreacted, maybe they're just going to... Lay off the quantitative easing for a while and not tighten up. But we did see the dollar find some weakness, which should have spurred some upside in the grain markets. But there was another crazy thing going on in the world of technology and business. There has been another cyber attack. This is the second (laughs) one in just about three weeks. Where this virus gets onto systems, and it was predominantly in the Ukraine, but it also hit systems in Argentina at ports operated by Kafko, which we had talked about earlier this week. Mm-hmm. It hit Italy fairly hard, and it hit a FedEx subsidiary. And what this virus does is it locks up the computer until the users pay a ransom. And mm-hmm. uh, the I've ransom, heard of this. Yeah. yeah. So just a couple weeks ago, or a month ago, the Wanna Cry virus. Uh, just randomly attacked. This one was looked like it was deliberate uh, attacks of these places, and the ransom was 300 bucks. That's it. 300 bucks, payable right. in Bitcoin.
1: Oh. So
2: we don't know exactly what it all. Ukraine says it's Russia. Russia says it isn't. But there's certainly some issues there and it is clogging up port so that's where i think from an ag perspective we have to be aware of it and um
1: actually mike you know speaking of terrorism i did see one other story just briefly i read through it and that is that the ag terrorism act has moved to the president's desk that okay. that bill or that act excuse me is to deal with um how dhs or homeland security should handle attacks on our agriculture systems, our food systems, and our veterinary systems.
2: Interesting. And was it in this bill, when we talked to Ken Mashoff, president of the uh, National Pork Producers Council, Mm -hmm. that they were looking to set up a disease bank?
1: Yes. I don't know if that's Part of this act, but it very well likely might be, and I will make sure and share that article on our website.
2: Perfect. So check out the agnewsdaily.com website, and uh, you can read into the details on this. One mm-hmm. other quick mention, of course, what's driven conversation over the past two weeks in Congress has been the the health care bill. Mm-hmm. It was put together in secret. It was released last Thursday or Friday. Now everybody's fighting about it. Senator Orrin Hatch, the chairman of the Finance Committee, came out yesterday, and he said that tax tax. tax reform would not be put together in secret. And he wants this to be a robust discovery. And he says it's a robust process in the Senate for developing, considering, and passing any tax reform passage. So I'm sure we will have a lot more conversation about tax reform as we get through the rest of this legislative session.
1: That sounds good, Mike. Why don't you read us today's Closing market prices because we have a couple of great interviews. I really think we should get to.
2: I think you are exactly right. So let's do that. Let's talk about corn. In the corn pit, the July contract dropped two and a half cents to close at 3.56 and three quarters. The December corn contract dropped one and a quarter cents to finish the day at 3.76 and a quarter. In soybeans, July beans rose two and three quarters to finish at 9.14 even. November new crop soybeans up four and a quarter finished the day at 9.21 and three quarters. In the wheat pit, hey hey, a date of the Upside July Chicago wheat up four cents. December Chicago wheat also up four cents. December closed the day at 495 and a quarter. As we look into meats, we've seen a lot of whipsawing around in this market. We talked to Jim Burns on Monday cattle were limit up. We talked yesterday cattle were three dollars plus limit down or not quite limit down yesterday. Today we're back in the green. Moves seem to be settling down. The August live cattle contract rose 60 cents to finish at 115.62.5. October live cattle up. 87.5 87.5 cents closed at 11365. In the world of feeder cattle, October feeders climbed $1.52.5, finished the day at $146.40. September feeders also up and a dollar closed at one forty six forty. Interesting, they both closed at the same price, both at one forty six forty. As we look at Lean Hogs, the July contract climbed $1.45, dollar forty-five. Closer to Jim's target of $90. We closed today at 87 dollars and a half. The August contract up $0.92, cents, closed at $79.47. Really, in the world of protein, the only down market again was in milk. July Class 3 milk dropped $0.04 cents to close at $15.84. August Class 3 milk dropped $0.07, cents, finished at $16.60. Now, Delaney, who are we going to be hearing from first here at the Farmher Conference today?
1: I think we should kick it off to Emily Roush. She is the Farmher Scholarship winner and- she talks about her operation of trying to find a niche market for them to sell and market their hogs to. So let's kick it off to Emily. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here at day two of the Farm Her Conference, and I'm with Emily Roush, who was the scholarship winner this year for the Farm Her Conference, and Emily is from Lebanon, Kansas, where she has a hog operation along with her husband. Is that right, Emily? Yes, that's correct. So being a scholarship winner, what did you write in your scholarship that made you Selected. Um, I guess they saw
0: they saw a vision for me. Um, the the whole point of this scholarship is for me to be able to um, use this money to help market our pork. So we have kind of a niche market sort of situation going on. We raise our hogs in hoop buildings, and so they have outdoor access. Um, we we've been selling to a, a national chain as their local pork um, through a middle company and then uh, so we haven't really known what's going on with the whole retail side so here in the last six months uh, we decided hey we can do this by ourselves so now we're trying to go directly to that um, national chain store and we've kind of, we're starting to get the ropes figured out, uh, transportation, um, what kind of cuts you have to have. And uh, so on top of all of that, we also started selling locally. Um, so within like a couple county radius, uh, those folks um, in our hometown area can actually buy our pork by the cut as well. And um, so on top of that, we're getting into more local grocery stores, like hometown-owned grocery stores. Uh, we've we've started the process into trying to talk to Kroger and Hy-Vee, and so um, that's really what the scholarship money is going to go towards. And I'm really excited to to uh, the whole communication of how our hogs are raised, not only on our farm, but everywhere you know I want to be able to be a friendly face that people can um, ask questions to because we we understand both sides of not only just the outdoor operation but we understand how um, they raise hogs inside as well so I just want to be, like I said, a friendly face that anybody can ask questions
2: to. Yeah, a resource that people can turn to when they've got questions about the hog industry. Now, that is an interesting niche market you guys have developed. Mm -hmm. How long have you been in hog production?
0: Um, I actually got into it with my husband. So we've been married a little over two years now. Uh, He's been raising hogs on a niche level like this uh, for as long as... uh, I'm 24 now, so we're both 24. So for as long as he's been around
2: 24 some years (laughs) yeah gotcha
0: (laughs) so i i'm actually on the farm full-time while he works off the farm full-time so uh i take care of the pigs um i didn't like i said i didn't really know much about it until uh i started going with him so i am their full-time caretaker i did grow up on a farm but just not around animals gotcha okay
2: Gotcha. What's the biggest shock that's come to you in the last couple of years learning to work with hogs? Because you guys, are you pharaoh to finish all the way through? Yes, we are. Yes, we are
0: pharaoh to finish. Yeah. um, Time. (laughs) Time, literally 24-7, 365. Like I said, I didn't grow up around animals. We were on a crop farm. So, you know, we could always leave after planting was done, you know, wheat harvest, and go on vacation and not have to worry about it. And, you know... I can't leave for more than 24 hours without making sure somebody's there to feed, water, look after them. Yes, Yes, that's, yes, fun stuff.
2: (laughs) So as you grow, do you look to grow not just on the retail side, but be able to grow your operation with number of hogs, maybe add some hired help, give you time to (laughs) go to a wedding if you want, or that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, we we really do... um, so our, our main goal right now is to get my husband back on the, on the okay. farm. So that, that would be step number one. But um, yeah, is it, our problem right now is that we're not in a hog dense area, which that's, that's great, but then it's also not because it's hard to find places to take our hogs to. So um, we have to travel two and a half hours to uh, get the hogs butchered for our, our larger chain. Um, so we also raise berkshire hogs that's that's our one of our main selling points um so to be able to to go into that market we have to haul five hours away to get to like a berkshire certified killing plant and so you know it's it, we would love to grow but we have to find
1: the 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 markets to sell it to first makes sense so you take the hogs to get processed and then now with this scholarship money are hoping to just work directly with grocery stores right. or retailers. Yes. So you just bring them the cuts of meat? Um,
0: the For the retail chain that we're working with now, they would still, they have a fresh case. Okay. So they cut um, it themselves. So they it's cut down in like primals and mm-hmm. then they do that. Uh,
2: so just, would you have to, you'll take it to your plant mm-hmm. to be processed into primals mm-hmm. and then are you guys going to, or are you currently loading a refrigerator truck up and hauling no, to the retailer
0: it, it's okay. it, that's hired out.
2: okay okay yes. so you're still are you arranging all of that yep. transportation? Wow right. okay.
0: Yeah so um, with talking like with Kroger, I know some of them have fresh cases but I don't that's one of the things we're trying to figure sure. out is if it's going to be um, like like a, a fresh um, packaged product or a frozen packaged product or if it's going to be a fresh case. You know, it's just it's a lot of
1: we don't know yet, um, and that's what we're we're working down that road. Do you guys have a brand? Like, if there were listeners in Kansas, can they go to the grocery store and look for a certain brand that's your farms? Um, so right now,
0: since we sell through the middle company, it doesn't have our name on it. Okay. And that's one. Of, that's another one of the reasons why we're wanting to go direct, because that way they can they can connect us with the product, and you know that's that's the whole that's the whole point these days is mm-hmm. to, be to, to be able to yes yeah. is to connect your food yeah. with who's growing it so that's another one of the reasons why we're wanting to do that our our farm's name is our family farm like the letter R right. uh, but we're we're hoping that more people will be able to see it um, in their grocery stores, at least in the Kansas area. Sure,
2: start small and then take over the world. (laughs) Oh
0: yes.
2: (laughs) Well, Emily, we are certainly excited for you. And as this goes forward, as soon as you do have your own, brand, I hope you'll let us know so we can get the word out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks guys.
2: All right, Emily Roush doing different things with pork down in Kansas. That is really neat to see. Now, one of the things that we talked about with Emily was how she and her husband are working to build a business. They're working to build their operation, just like so many folks out there in the world of agriculture, and one of the questions that comes up all the time is, what happens when I'm gone, whether Mm -hmm. I decide to retire or when I or my spouse pass on? And our next interview with Dee Dee Chadwick from Nationwide addresses that a little bit, doesn't it, Delaney?
1: It does. She really has a lot of great tips and ideas and you know, I thought this was a great point, and I mean no offense to any men out there, but she said, you know, men aren't often good communicators. They don't want to talk about succession planning, so a lot of times it has to be left up to the women to kind of get that conversation rolling. And so as being here at the FarmHer Conference, she really emphasized to the women here that women, we need to stand up and take action and be the ones to start these conversations at home we are joined now by Dee Dee Chadwick, she is the Senior Director for the Advanced Consulting Group with Nationwide Financial and Dee Dee, today at the FarmHer Conference you talked a lot about succession planning. Is that right?
3: I did. Yes.
1: So just before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Nationwide?
3: Sure. I, um, I lead a team within Nationwide Financial that focuses on helping businesses, farms and ranches um, put a an orderly transition plan in place to leave that to the next generation.
1: Because why is it important to have a succession plan?
3: oh gosh um no plan at all would just really be disaster so it's it's key for any kind of business and and i use business and farm and ranch interchangeably um because the farm generally will be the largest asset that that anybody would have and it's it's their business it's their livelihood and um having no plan at all you know i think statistically speaking you know a small to mid-sized business going from the first generation to the second generation, only 30% of those will be viable to the second generation. And that number decreases as the generations go on. And so if we're looking at this asset where we put all of our blood, sweat, and tears into, it's key to put some kind of plan in place so that makes it to the next generation.
2: In your conversation with farmers, ranchers, business people, how many of them have thought about it in the context of viability after I'm gone?
3: I. I have to believe, you know, I don't, I can't provide you a statistic. I have to believe that, you know, there are many nights that a farmer or a business owner, you know, lays their head on the pillow at night and says, you know, dang it, I'm not going to be here forever. Um, what's going to happen when I'm not here? I think that, that that thought escapes them very quickly the next day that they get up and they just do what they've been trained to do. And, again, nobody likes to think about or talk about what's going to happen when they're dead, right? It's it's mm-hmm. icky and it's it's awkward and it's not fun. And so, you know, as a parent, I think about, you know, um, putting in my session today, we talked about being a parent and putting a will in place. That, that whole process is planning out somebody else's life the day after you're gone Mm -hmm. from this earth and nobody likes to do that and I really equate that to to what we're doing with farmers and ranchers and it's you know if the if the farm or the ranch is their largest asset and it's their livelihood um, it's definitely something that they would want to plan for
1: because succession planning is a big deal and it's A topic that not a lot of families like to talk about. You talked a lot about communication. I sat through one of your sessions.
3: Yeah.
1: Do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about? In a summary, maybe of what you laid out for us yeah, today. Yeah, sure.
3: So um, it actually somebody mentioned it in the earlier section or session as well, and that is um, statistically just across the U.S. There's a rapid decrease in the number of family farms and farm operators, and I'm not even talking about the millennial piece. You know, that's a whole completely different kind of conversation, but there is a decrease in farms and um, there's a lot of studies going into, why is that happening? Is it because that, um, that farm principal is aging, you know, to the point where they don't wanna farm anymore? Or is it that millennials just don't want to go into the, to this space? You know, what is it? There's a lot of efforts around why. And um, there was a, a the extension office, one of them in Colorado, kind of started peeling back the layers on some of this. And there was an article that I read through there, and it talked about, um, they, they talked to a lot of farmers like, hey, why do you think this is so? And long and short of it, they were all essentially saying the same thing, which was, we're really good at what we do. But we're not good at that human relationship component. And what I mean by that is the softer, fluffy stuff, that communication stuff, back to your original question. And um, we've seen commercials today with, you know, big, burly men with leathery-type skin, you know, probably smoking cigarettes, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, And you just don't see them as soft. You don't you see them as just rock solid, and I think um, I think that that's a little bit true. They they're really good at what they do, but they're not good at the soft stuff. And um, family dynamics are really interesting, and um, they're unique, and they leave people very vulnerable, and that's all really scary. And I think people just don't go there.
2: Yeah, and you know you talk about uh, their the lack of, of willingness to mm-hmm. communicate, and it's kind of a mindset, too. You know, mm-hmm. these, the, the leathery type skin folks, they're saying, I haven't died yet, yeah. you know, or maybe I never will, yeah. you know. Yeah. But so often, when I'm out in the countryside talking to, to different growers, if the topic of succession planning comes up, which is very rare, although it seems to be more common today than mm-hmm. it was a couple of years ago, the the idea is, well, I'm just splitting everything to my kids just right down the line, everybody gets a third or a fifth or a sixth or whatever of the farm, and that's that. I don't have to think about it anymore. Is that just the way to go?
3: I don't think that's the way to go. I think that's a one size fits all answer. Um, And that's not the way families work. Um, And you've got a lot of different components there. You've got different children with different thoughts, wishes, wants, and desires. Um, and, and lots of different goals. You've got communities with lots of different needs and resources, so I think that that plays into this too. And you have to kind of, we have one gentleman that I work with and he says, let the farm speak. And if the farm could speak, what would the farm say needs to happen? And I bet it would say, if there are five kids, everybody gets a fifth. It probably would not say that, right? It would say, you know, I'm unique. I have um, I have limitations, I have boundaries, but I have an abundance of opportunity as well. And you'd have to put the right people in the right places to make this viable for any length of time.
1: Yeah, and going off of that a little bit, I thought it was interesting during your, during your, during your talk this morning that you said, depending on the structure and who works on the farm and who has a desire to work on the farm, splitting it if there's three siblings splitting it in three different portions may not be fair because one of the siblings might have been groomed to take over the farm and then the other two come in so I liked your point earlier about what is equal isn't necessarily fair correct yeah I thought that was a great
3: point. yeah and we see that a lot most everybody will say oh it's just easier to split everything in equal you know portions and um you know, we work with a lot of families and let's just use three kids, for example, because it's simple. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, one will have stayed back to farm with dad and two, you know, within the other two, maybe one pursued, you know, a, a career or a trade and then one went away to college. And um, then they all kind of regroup years later and say, what's gonna happen? And to the person that stayed back, and maybe didn't pursue his or her dreams you know junior might say i didn't go to college because i needed to stay here and help dad and now he's got a third and the two children who aren't farming they're the majority because they together they have two-thirds and even though that's equal i would say and i think he would say that's not necessarily fair And there's lots of other ways to um, make those other two feel like they either contributed to the success of the farm in other ways, um, and there's ways to reward them, I think, appropriately.
2: Have you seen more conversations come out about succession planning willingly over the past five or six years Well, while the ag industry was good? Now that it's, you know, now we're seeing maybe less returns on the farm side, are folks less willing to have a discussion when times get tough?
3: I think there is because of people like Nationwide, and we're not the only person, you know, there's lots of other trade organizations. Um, I think it's an awareness thing. I think that um, lots of people realized. We are not just feeding our families. We are feeding the world. And if there's this aggressive decline in farms in the U.S., where are we going to get our food from? And people started picking up on that and thinking, we've got to educate about, you know, farm and ranch succession. And we've got to make an awareness so that, um, these farms stay intact. And we can continue feeding whoever it is that we need to feed. And I, so I don't think it was, it's not a business decision by like nationwide, like, hey, let's go talk about this because then it brings in business because it very well may not. It's just good to bring awareness to these kinds of things because, you know, that's the backbone of America, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, I think everybody recognizes and appreciates it's got to stay intact.
1: So, the nationwide program, Land of Us, is that what it's called? It's
3: Land is Your Legacy, Land program. Is your legacy yeah. program. Yeah.
1: Where can farmers or ranchers find those resources, or how can they begin those initial steps of planning succession for their operations?
3: So, there are lots of um, resources on like nationwide.com um, that are very specific to the Land is Your Legacy program. There are agents, um, nationwide agents, sprinkled throughout the U.S. Um, who are certified to do these kinds of plans because it, it's not, it, it takes a special skill and you've got to know and understand how a farm works in order to be able to put a really good plan like this in place. And so um, I think the first approach would be go to maybe nationwide.com and find your way to the Land Is Your Legacy or the Nationwide Nationwide Ag um, resources online, um, or if you have a Nationwide agent in your community, those two are sprinkled throughout the U.S. That would probably be your first plan of attack.
2: All right. Well, Dee Chadwick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it, and appreciate you bringing fresh insight to the succession planning issue.
3: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Again, a big thank you to Dee. She was really fun to talk to, and we ended up talking to her for quite a while
1: afterwards, actually, just about rural America in general, and she had a lot of interesting interesting stories to share with us.
2: She did, and kind of got us thinking about some other avenues that uh, we should pursue from a reporting venue. So do stay tuned. We'll have uh, new topics, new stories coming up. In the meantime, tomorrow, I will be joined, because Delaney will be in Chicago, working and learning more about the way agricultural commodities trade, I will be joined by Elaine Cub as a guest host, our first guest host. Is that right?
1: Yeah. What are you guys going to be talking about? So...
2: All sorts of fun stuff. Okay. It's going to be an adventure. We're currently trying to line up an interview with an Australian woman whose name is Emma Weston, who has developed a way to use blockchain, the technology behind Bitcoin, to make ag trading perhaps more efficient. So stay tuned. It'll be interesting. If nothing else, we'll have a great accent on the program (laughs) with an Aussie. You know, I don't think a
1: lot of people know what bitcoins are.
2: I know. So we're going to start from scratch. I still don't fully understand it. So it's going to be educational. And I'm glad we'll have Elaine, you know, as co-pilot. She gets into all that financial wizardry. So I'm sure she could break (laughs) it down for us. And then on Friday, we will be doing something fantastic, something new for the podcast. Delaney, would you like to explain?
1: Sure. We well, as part of my trip to Chicago, I'll be covering the quarterly grain and stocks report, and our good friend Ted Seifert is located in Chicago, so he has agreed to interview with us, and so we're going to be doing a reverse role. So Ted and I will be together, and Mike will be the one skyping in or or um, talking yeah. to us from a distance.
2: Actually, that's the downside of having cattle. I don't get to go I and do know. the fun stuff. I got to stay behind in Grinnell, but. Um, It will be enjoyable, so do stay tuned. And as always, folks, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. Search for Ag News Daily. We've been posting pictures and video here at the Farm Her Conference, so be sure to log in there and uh, tag yourself if you see yourself in one of those. And check out our website, agnewsdaily.com. You can find all of the podcasts there if you'd like to share them, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, please do rate and review us. And stay tuned. Delaney. Should we let the people go?
1: Let's let them go.